Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. This is season four, and boy, I'm excited. I'm enjoying all the people I have who are going to join me and the lineup. Let's Get Writing here is where you can find inspiration and ideas. We bring life to books and so much more. Now, my guest this week on Let's Get Writing was a roommate and colleague of Ray Guy in his evening telegram days, which was a while ago, but we're going to learn all about that. He originally grew up in Hearts Delight, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is a graduate of Memorial University of Newfoundland and also Osgoode Hall Law School in Toronto. And after a print journal and and after a print journalism background that included five years with the Evening Telegram, that was uh, or is our provincial paper here in Newfoundland, he worked for more than 30 years with the CBC as a journalist, producer, and executive. He now calls Glen Haven, Nova Scotia home and is currently a senior investigator with the Nova Scotia Office of the Ombudsman. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> and now I'm going to welcome him to the show. And we are going to hear from him. Four years old. <laughs> there all you go. <laughs> anyway, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I'm really happy to have you, Ron. And I can't, I can't get our names up on the screen today. It's just uh, one of those days. But hey, we're handling it. Um, maybe Ray Guy is with us. He was a bit of a contrarian, wasn't he? <laughs> well, you know, I spent a few years in television and uh, having them go down, as they say, and uh, uh, I think you handled it uh, very calmly and we're doing all right. And yeah, I we, see, let's get writing on the screen, so that's probably a... I got that there. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good start, I think. That's a good start. Thank you so much. Ron, uh, Ray Guy, Portrait of a, a Rebel, your book, it's a testament and a, a toast, really, to um, his brilliant writing and also a very compelling biography of a very complex man who had an incredible gift. And I also feel he was so much a part of our culture here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and, and many people knew him. They felt like they knew him personally because of his showing up in newspapers and on different shows. And I'm sure your book's going to be read by many people here and far away. But um, the first thing I want to ask you, and if I'm, I'm almost thinking if Ray Guy was here with me, he might have said, oh, it's a fool's mission. <laughs> but why did you write this book? <laughs> what inspired you? Well, the book was uh, was and is designed to do <clears throat> almost exactly what you said earlier, which which is to uh, um, declare a, a kind of testimonial to Guy's writing, uh, make it uh, better known, um, and also make Guy better known as a human being and uh, uh, as a as a professional, and to try and expand uh, and recover um, 
uh, interest in his work. Uh, it was a long time ago, as you say, although he did write for for decades up until, uh, well, in fact, well into the current uh, century, as much closer to five decades. Um, so there is a considerable uh, uh, canon of work there. Um, Ray uh, passed away in, in uh, 20, 2013. Um, and I think it's time to kind of remind people of what an extraordinary writer he uh, was uh, and why his work is well worth another look, perhaps by another generation and perhaps by different readers in different parts of the country. And you know, Ron, when I was reading the book and going through and, and you've introduced so much of his writing in the book, pieces of it, and then explanations of what was happening at that time. You really created um, a portrait of him that was amazingly, I wanna say tactile, or just I felt almost like I was getting to know him through what you did, but it must have been a tremendous amount of work. How, how did you go about approaching that project? Uh, well, I had a head start uh, in many ways, or several uh, head starts uh, in that, uh, as you say, I knew him and worked with him and, uh, uh, you know, we, we shared apartments for a few years and so on. So uh, we were friends and remained friends all of our lives, although our careers diverged. Uh, I spent much of mine out of Newfoundland and he spent all of his there. Um, so I had that as a head start. Um, and uh, having worked with him, <clears throat> I'd already read considerable amounts of his, of his uh, writing. And I followed him as closely as I could from, uh, from a distance uh, for all of his uh, uh, career. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to work in Newfoundland for a couple of years in the 1980s and for about uh, nine years or so in the 1990s. Um, so I reconnected with him and um, I read all his books and fortunately a lot of his material uh, has been compiled into, well, into compilations in books. Uh, so it's fairly readily accessible. Um, nevertheless, uh, it still took a pile of work at the, uh, at the archives and at the Newfoundland Center at Memorial uh, to ferret out things that uh, had not made it between the covers of books. Um, and also to track down a lot of his post-telegram writing. Um, uh, which was much more scattered. Uh, the telegram writing was relatively easy to come by uh, because it's all in one place or a small number of places. Um, once he became a freelance uh, for uh, what we, I refer to in the book and others have referred to as his second career, it was a little harder to track down because he had to, as a freelance person trying to make a living, um, he had to write for just about any publication that would have him. Um, which is not to say that his writing was compromised in any way, but it is to say that uh, uh, you got to take it as it comes when you're a freelance person. So that took uh, quite a lot of work, but then I had, you know, I spent a lot of time at it. It was done over about five years in, uh, in fits and starts. Uh, and I did take a couple of leaves of absence from work to work on it um, uh, with undivided attention. So uh, it was, it, it took some time, but uh, you know, I uh, I don't feel any any the worse for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I can feel that as I read the book. I you know, as a writer and and, and someone who's actually wrote a thesis, <laughs> someone who's done something like that, you have a feel for the type of of, of book that it that it is and and how much work it really would be to put it together. And with so much respect, you mentioned, and I wanna ask you a little bit about it. You guys were roommates at one point. What was that experience like? And was that what was that part of the factor of why you wanted to tell his story in, in this way? Well, 
he was a great roommate. Um, uh, neither of us were uh, were chefs. Um, and uh, for a period of time, uh, there were two of us, and for other periods of time, there were three of us. Other uh, other people uh, joined us uh, for months or a year or so at a time. That was kind of, kind of typical. Uh, I was in my student days, so uh, uh, I had to have roommates anyway. <laughs> Might as well have a good one. <laughs> uh, and uh, we started that when when, it, when we worked together at the um, uh, at the paper. It was fun. By and large, it was fun. Um, if it had a few minor drawbacks, uh, one of them was was the fact that um, uh, you know I like to sleep. I, I tend to sleep during the night. Ray Guy tended to sleep during the day, <laughs> so we'd sometimes collide on our schedules. But uh, relatively minor matters. <clears throat> You're taking me back to a time in my past as well. <laughs> Those days of, of of living like that, and that that was the time when you worked at the Evening Telegram. And when I was reading in your book about that, it just really brought it to life for me as well. But what was it like? It was almost like a timepiece, that old newspaper room that we that we all think about. How, you know, how was how that? And that's where Ray did a, did a lot of his work, albeit maybe at odd hours. But uh, those were the days when you could smoke and, and uh, do different things in a very confined environment. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you know, smoking and, and, uh, and a certain amount of drinking were pretty much mandatory <laughs> in that business. It was a long time ago. I mean, it, um, uh, when I was writing the book, I actually felt that I was there, you know, and, and that all these people, many of whom are deceased, uh, were still around. <laughs> uh, and uh, the exercise was an interesting one in that respect because it really brought back a lot of these people and their personalities and their, uh, and their interesting quirks and, and dispositions. It, it did bring it all back. So there's a sense in which uh, for many of the, much of the time when I was working on the book, and particularly when I was working on it for periods of days or weeks uh, it, uh, intensely, um, I really felt that I was back there. But they were interesting times. Uh, you know, these were open newsrooms, uh, uh, which uh, for a time disappeared and I think came back and I think have disappeared again now because people tend to be working uh, at home and uh, doing programs like this from their living rooms or wherever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in my house. Uh, but um, uh, these were open rooms, and uh, as, as you say, everybody did smoke. Uh, pretty much everybody did smoke. Uh, so you want the healthiest environments uh, uh, under, the, uh, under the sun for sure. Um, but there was a high level of collegiality. Um, by and large, uh, uh, the levels of humor and, and wit um, uh, were extremely high. Um, and uh, it, uh, the place is full of characters. I mean, <laughs> Guy, was, Guy was a character in his own right and a substantial one, but he was one of uh, many for sure. And for somebody like me who, you know, started working with that crowd when I was like 16 or 16 or about just turning 17, uh, it really was a, 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 an educational uh, experience, but also a highly, a highly entertaining one. What it did do, in my case, um, and uh, Ray was certainly uh, quite influential, is that it kind of captured me uh, for a career path that essentially I was able to maintain for most of my most of my working life anyway. Uh, but um, those they were different. They were different times. Uh, they exist now really only in a few books like mine and uh, and some a few good movies, I guess. Yeah, Mad Men maybe kind of takes you back there too. If, if People have seen that show. Um, now, he was known, you know, as a humorist, uh, 
for his wit and satire and, and, and so on. And sometimes that got him in a bit of trouble <laughs> or certainly created a lot of controversy at times around his columns and, and his writing. And um, what, what would you say about that? Did, did, you know, I, he evolved over the years. I know I, know I felt that as, we look, as I worked my way through the book. But um, he was he was just quite a character. People, I remember my parents, and that was why I was so keenly interested to talk to you, that they always hung on reading Ray Guy's column because they almost never knew what was going to be there. Well, you know, these were, um, uh, remember, when Ray started to uh, working at the Telegram, which was in 1963, had a summer there in 1962, uh, Newfoundland had been a province of Canada for just a little over a decade. Um, so the sense of the place was very different from, from uh, what it is today and what it has become. Um, it still kind of thought of itself as almost like a country. It, it was much more than uh, a province. Um, and um, getting used to the Canadian experience uh, took some time. Um, I think most Newfoundlanders now would see themselves as uh, you know fully fledged Canadians, but uh, not in the 1960s and certainly not in the 1950s. Um, the other thing that was happening is that um, by that time, a decade and a half or so into Confederation, um, uh, Newfoundland was still under the premiership of, uh, of uh, J.R. Smallwood. Uh, however, J.R. Smallwood is becoming increasingly controversial uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons. His economic development uh, practices and policies, um, uh, his uh, relatively you know, high-handed manner of uh, governing and ruling, uh, and Ray set himself up, and I don't think it was a conscious thing, I think it was a natural thing um, as his antagonist. Um, and uh, uh, they both had incredible platforms uh, uh, to spar from. Um, uh, you know, Joey, of course, being premier, could say whatever he wanted, wherever he wanted, and, and uh, had reporters following around to make sure that everybody heard it. Uh, and Guy developed his place um, uh, over, over two or three years as uh, the page three columnist in the Telegram, uh, certainly whose nemesis was obviously Smallwood. Um, and there's much more to Ray than humor uh, and satire. Uh, Ray had very clear political perspectives uh, about what was going on at the time. Um, and he made them well known in language that people really appreciated because he was such a good writer. Um, and also he had the gift of satire, which enabled them to uh, make overly serious people, one of whom would have been Premier Smallwood at the time, to make them a little look a little silly at times uh, and a little over uh, <clears throat> a little overconfident and a little over bloated so uh, <clears throat> it was a rivalry that lasted for um, uh, seven or eight years and it's indisputable i think uh, most people would acknowledge that guy had a real role um, in the uh, reckoning that smallwood eventually had with uh, with the uh, voters of newfoundland yeah, it would have been quite a time. And you know what? It passed me by. I was not probably not not on the island. And I was and when I was here, I was still too young to care. <laughs> yeah. And one of the uh, dynamics about Ray, uh, I mean, I, I would make the case uh, and make the argument, I think, uh, with, with some confidence that uh, in his time, in his era at the Telegram, uh, Ray was probably the best newspaper writer in Canada. Uh, but yeah, almost nobody knew him outside of Newfoundland. And uh, part of that was, as I said before, the place was still kind of a bit of a watertight compartment down there. Um, and, and as we lived it at the time, uh, Ray's obsessions and interests uh, and his 
comfort zone was all about uh, Newfoundland. Um, uh, conversely, uh, you know, mainland Canada was not obsessed with Newfoundland or some would argue not much interested at all, uh, except for certain quirks that it had. And, 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 you know, some people got to know the place and, uh, and like it, but, um, we were kind of, uh, hermetically sealed, I think, uh, certainly during the fifties and into well into the sixties. Um, and Guy was under, uh, appreciated, unknown, relatively unknown and underappreciated really until the 1980s when he started to write for a magazine based in Halifax, uh, Atlantic Insight. Uh, then he became quite well known, in fact, in Atlantic Canada, in the, in the Maritimes, in Newfoundland, he was already well known. And I think uh, fairly widely appreciated, particularly in Nova Scotia. Mm, that was a great magazine. I used to, to read that magazine all the time. Um, and also you mentioned, he said, you know, his column was on page three, which back in the day, that was where you wanted to be as a columnist. That was the place to be. And then this is what I, I felt. The, there was the floating column. He got moved. He came in one day. His column wasn't on page three. And then it was moved around a bit. And then the, the newspaper was sold. And a lot of these things played in his mind. That's what I felt from your book, that, you know, this was that, that kind of pedestal that he sat on where he was guaranteed to be in that position and have that respect was by nature of just evolution being eroded over here somewhat. And then he was trying to find, I guess, his ground in, in other ways, which maybe is what took him to the CBC and Atlantic Insight. But he did eventually, he did go back to the paper. Well, he, he, uh, he, he basically left the paper in, uh, in 1974 um, uh, from his position as a page three full-time columnist, and mostly page three, but as you say, he moved around a little bit. Uh, uh, and um, that was uh, about two years uh, or close to it after uh, uh, Mr. Smallwood had um, retired or been retired. Um, and there's a sense in which uh, Guy had built up such a reputation and such a, a career identification um, as being the um, sparring partner with Smallwood that in a sense I think he missed him. Uh, also, uh, whatever anybody thought of uh, the Smallwood and the Smallwood government and the Smallwood Times, they were not boring. <laughs> Newfoundland politics, you could argue, became less interesting after Smallwood than it had been for his um, uh, 20 years or so of, of uh, premiership. Uh, the other thing too, and the biggest factor, a bigger factor than that, I think it's fair to say, is that the newspaper itself became less interesting. It did get sold and it got sold to one of the worst uh, newspaper chains uh, in, in creation, which was the Thompson uh, newspaper chain. Um, it diminished the paper, um, it cut its resources, it, it uh, reduced its staff, uh, and Guy could see all of that writing on the wall. There was no direct interference with Ray's work or any attempt to censor or you know, reduce them in that way. Uh, but the paper itself had lost a lot of its torque um, and he could see the, uh, the, the writing on the wall. Uh, so eventually I think he just got tired of it. Also, you know, he started doing it when he was in his early twenties. Uh, and by the time he left, he was 34. Um, in a sense, he devoted all of his young adult years to the telegram. And I mean, he devoted, devoted them to the telegram. He didn't have a large life outside of work. He had some friends, um, you know, he hung out with a few people, uh, me included in the early days, but he didn't have a broad social life. Um, he, was, uh, uh, he was a bachelor. 
Um, he worked long hours. He worked into the night. He had a, a bizarre habit of working <laughs> when it was when it was dark and sleeping when it was light. Um, so uh, he, uh, you know, he fried up a lot of his uh, best years in the interest of the Telegram, which. I think it's fair to say it was also in the interest of uh, Newfoundland and Labrador culture at the time, and certainly in the interest of Newfoundland letters. Mm. And I mean, through all of that, and I think he was about 36, I think, when he eventually did get married. Um, but he also struggled, and I'm not sure at what point you, you would know better, with um, depression. Uh, he was diagnosed as bipolar. And which is sometimes described as the brilliant madness, which would make sense in his case. And and he also uh, was an alcoholic. Would would that be the right way to describe it, or just had an issue? Yeah, with I mean, he, he eventually uh, it, it, the the alcoholism part of it um, uh, was not that uncommon. You know, if you start drinking uh, relatively uh, excessively and and frequently in your early 20s or even in your teens or college years or stuff like that, your chances of having it capture you and, and take you over um, and continue with you are, are pretty high. Uh, and that's essentially what happened uh, to uh, Guy just in terms of that, of, of that piece of uh, business. Unfortunate, um, and, um, but yes, I think uh, by the time he was uh, maybe as, as young as 30, it's probably fair to say, and experts would probably say he's an alcoholic. Uh, he also suffered from depression. Uh, which, as you say, was eventually diagnosed as that particular condition, um, which is still, I think, you know, rel relatively under understood or less less well understood, um, and it had a huge impact on his life. Um, uh, so yes, he was up and down, um, and um, uh, it's the remarkable thing about Ray and his work is that uh, the, uh, the the size of the magnitude of the body of work is what it is despite these sorts of fetters that uh, that he dealt with, uh, you know, throughout his entire life. Absolutely. And when you look at it, it's a beautiful perspective that you just put it in, which I think you're very capable of doing. I'm just going to, if I can, show a, a few pictures here on the screen. This is him at a young age, or you can best comment. <laughs> well, that, this, I, I love these photos from the mid-50s because they have dates on them. And this one... Uh, I think it's 1957. I can hardly see it. July, and um, he's with uh, <clears throat> a couple of his. Uh, he's 18 at the time uh, in 57. I guess is what he would be. And um, uh, the the woman on the left, her name is Edna. I think her name now is Edna Penny, and I don't know if that's a married name or not. And uh, the woman on the right is Daphne Guy, I think, and not not a sister, maybe a distant cousin. Um, friends. Um, Ray had lots of friends in, he grew up well, in a sense, in, in Arnold's Cove. Um, um, and um, he was a kind of mischief leader all of his life. Uh, you know, he um, wrote all the school plays and things like that. And he was, he, was a, he was a character when he was 10. You know, most people don't become characters until they're older. This photo is, uh, is with Kathy Hauser. Uh, uh, and uh, there's a child in the background. Don't know who that is. Don't know who the dog is. Uh, this is when they lived on the Tote Road, which was um, the second last place they lived, um, and relatively late in Ray's both his career and his life. Uh, I think this photo is probably right about the turn of this century, maybe 2002 or three, something like that, uh, before they they moved back into St. John's. Um, 
for the last, I think, half dozen years of uh, Ray's life. Um, but this is when he was on the Tolt Road, when they were on the Tolt Road, and they had a magnificent view of uh, Conception Bay. And that was actually a house and a, and a garden. There were famous gardeners, those two. Were. That Ray had picked out himself. Uh, so it was one of the, uh, I think, one of the uh, happier places that they uh, resided in. Looks so much like that. And that's the bench. <laughs> this is the famous bench. I'm not sure what metal this is made of, but it's something very durable. It was quite expensive. Um, uh, I think it was made in British Columbia. It's installed in concrete. Uh, uh, it's probably uh, maybe stainless steel. I'm not sure. Um, and it's the Ray Guy bench. And it sits outside of a very small little building that you can't see here. You can just see the uh, ramp going up to it, um, which used to be a schoolhouse in um, uh, in Arnold's Cove and one of Ray's schools, uh, Ray's only school in Arnold's Cove, I think. Um, and the people sitting on the bench are Iris, Ray's sister, um, uh, a, a big player in the book, by the way. Uh, Iris's contribution to the book is almost unmeasurable un or immeasurable. Um, and Seamus is her uh, grandson. Uh, Seamus, I think, is living in it may be Montreal, he's living somewhere outside the province, uh, but uh, he was home for holiday. This happened in August when the bench was uh, uh, was opened or dedicated and uh, a number of us had the good luck to be out there for the event. It was quite a wonderful event. So that's the Ray Guy uh, bench. And there's a quotation from Ray on the bench, which you can't see, it's right behind Iris there. Um, and it says, uh, in a village, you are thoroughly known. That's the quotation from Ray. And that's from a column uh, that he wrote. Uh, I think it would have been around the mid-90s uh, or maybe earlier in the 90s. Uh, I should have this date, but I don't. Uh, when his dad passed away in Arnold's Cove and Ray went out for the funeral and wrote a, a lovely, a lovely uh, endearing piece about Arnold's Cove in which that line is uh, one of the many. Yeah, it's a, a beautiful tribute to him and, and a place where we can go sit and maybe feel his energy. This is him <laughs> thinking, I think, in deep thought. This is very late in his uh, uh, life. Uh, I, I think this photo might be as late as it seems to me that it might be around 2011 uh, when <clears throat> Ray, um, uh, I don't think he had the, uh, he was experiencing the uh, terminal illness that that finally uh, caught up with him, uh, but his health was not uh, in great shape. Um, I think this is in, I think it's, it's the one on the South Side Road in St. John's, I think it's Fort Amherst, uh, kind of looking out the narrows. Um, and he just seems to be um, looking out deep in thought and uh, meditation. Mm. I'm just gonna pull that down and just put the book cover up. Ron, because of our few technical difficulties at the, in the beginning, I'm entirely unsure at what point we are at in my <laughs> in my timing. So I'm going to move us towards wrapping sure. so that I don't run over time. But I wanted to put the cover of the book up and acknowledge also Boulder Books, who are behind so many of these wonderful, uh, wonderful books that bring so much of our culture. I know that uh, Gavin Wills is very passionate about these types of projects. And I'm sure it was a good fit for you. Yeah, well, Boulder uh, has done uh, well and done right by Ray. Uh, they've published uh, two large compilations of his Telegram uh, columns. Um, and in fact, Gavin Will um, 
went through the trouble and probably expense of having just about every column hard copied, Xeroxed and copied, uh, which was a great bonus for me because I could get, I, once I had a contract with Boulder, uh, I had access to them and it saved me a lot of time in the, uh, uh, from the archives. Um, uh, so Bowler, uh, yeah, I did, did a good job of uh, uh, producing the book and packaging the book. And, um, you know, as I say, they, they have a longstanding and well-known commitment to Ray and his legacy. Yeah. Well, and uh, you have certainly, what I wanted was to be um, instilled and to learn more about this because I grew up with it, like I say, on the fringes and not really understanding it. Your book was amazing to read and I highly recommend it. And I just want to thank you so much for doing that, for writing it, because it's an incredible project and a great deal of work. Well, I want to thank you for letting me talk about it. Thanks very much. Oh. I'd like to talk longer, <laughs> and maybe I could, but I'm not sure of my timing, but maybe we'll do something again a little later. I'll, I'll come back. All right. Thank you. And thanks, folks, for joining us. Let's Get Writing, available on Facebook, YouTube, and your favorite podcasts. Have a great day. <laughs>